Hey guys, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. This is the podcast where I speak with cool people who are doing cool things and who inspire us to get out of our comfort zones. I just want to thank everyone for listening. I hope everyone in New Zealand's had a nice relaxing Queen's birthday weekend. I'm just back from some quality time at Castle Point. Uh, and to all those listening in other places, hope you're having a happy Tuesday. This is episode six. And today I'm chatting with Matt Cameron, New Zealand BMX representative who's just competed in the World Champs in Colombia. I had an awesome time chatting through things with Matt. I found out a bit more about the sport of BMX and how important the mental side is to try and get an edge when competing. We have a talk through how Matt uses visualisation to help his performance. We talk about embracing the uncertainty and going after his dreams. We have a little bit of a chat about that sometimes it's hard to be objective about your situation when you're in it. Sometimes you actually need to change your perspective about the things that are happening around you. We talk through some significant injuries, uh, and Matt's significant might vary a lot from uh, our ideas of significant injuries. I also want to uh, thank my mate Russ for putting me and Matt in touch, making this episode possible. If you know people that I should talk to, then reach out to me and introduce us. I'm loving having these conversations. Welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. Thanks very much for uh, taking the time to sit down and have a conversation with me today. Yeah, no worries, mate. Awesome. So, Matt, whereabouts in the world are you at the moment? Uh, I'm currently in Oldsmar, Florida, in USA. Okay, cool. What are you doing there? Um, we have, uh, I race BMX, so we have World Champs Championships next week down in Columbia. Um, so... We're over this part of the world just to get acclimatised um, and getting some training in. Yeah, just just really to get ready for that event. Awesome. That sounds sounds wicked. Matt, can you give myself and and our listeners as well a little bit of background about yourself and how you ended up getting into BMX? Yeah. Um. I mean, growing up as a kid, I did the standard sports of rugby, cricket, and played a bit of rugby league as well, all the way through to I was fifteen and. Um, BMX came about for me when I was sort of um, at home with my mum one day and I was being a little a little terror I guess and annoying her and she sent me down the BMX or oh, sort of an idea just go down the BMX track and waste some steam so off I went <laughs> on my on my mountain bike and uh, that was had no brakes no gears I was in my school uniform and uh, I did did a couple of things on the course and a couple of jumps and stuff and really enjoyed it and um, one thing led to another, and um, I ended up dropping the other sports and concentrating a little bit more on BMX because it was fun for me. And yeah, one thing led to another, and here I am, really. Awesome. How long have you been doing BMX for? Um, I started. I started quite late. I was 16. Um, a lot of a lot of people start when they're sort of 
between the ages of five and ten to get the fundamental skills. But so I started when I was sixteen, raced until I was twenty, I think, I believe twenty three, just before the Beijing Olympics, um, and then I retired. Well, I thought I did. Uh, <laughs> I gave up for sort of, I think it was three and a half years, three years to just pursue other things in life really and um, do a few other things overseas and um, and then I came back to the sport and when was it? Uh, start of, end of 2011, start of 2012 with the hope of pushing for the London Olympics So and then pretty much stayed in the game since. So that's I think it's a total of 11 seasons under my belt. What, uh, what drew you back to the sport after the, the time away? I was living overseas at the time and um, I hadn't, to be fair, hadn't touched my bike, or a bike really, other than just to go to the shop and back um, for for that time. Um, I moved back to New Zealand. My my mum fell a bit ill, um, so I, I ended up moving home with no intentions to start the sport back up again, but um, some of the local guys heard I was in town, so um, I did a bit of coaching for them. Started riding again just for, just with them. One thing led to another again, and I did a couple of club races and it sort of extended further out and I had the passion and drive back and have have still got it since since um since that day and I guess that's the reason why I got retired in the back back in 08 it was because I lost that passion and when I came back to it yeah that passion came back for sure that's wicked and that's awesome that it's uh, continuing on as well for you yeah so did you did you make it to the London Olympics no, I, uh, I, it was, I guess it was, I was, I knew it was, or everybody said it was impossible, and I've always been a firm believer of never listening to what everyone else says and people's opinions. So I, I pushed as hard as I could, but looking back now, it was was not enough time to, I think it was sort of seven months or six months, six or seven months before selection was due for the game. So the tracks, everything had evolved since the last time I left the sport and. It was a tough ask, but I pushed back and made some good results and and stuff. But yeah, it was just I just missed out on that one. You've qualified for Rio this time round? No, the uh, qualification for us for um, ends after next weekend's World Championships. So yeah, we find out. I think it's this second week of May, start of second. I mean, sorry, June. We find out. Hopefully some uh, really good news coming your way pretty shortly. Yeah, fingers crossed, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. How many cyclists or how many BMXs do, does the New Zealand team take to the Olympics usually? Um, it all depends on, on, on how your, your country qualifies um, and ranks within the world after the, after the final world championships before the Olympic Games. So last Olympic cycle we had two men and one woman and this time we have one man or one man, and um, uh, hoping to get another woman. We'll see. We'll see after this weekend, next weekend. So it's pretty small numbers. How long's BMX been an Olympic sport? Um, it was. It was announced to be in the Olympics, and oh, when was it? Back in 2004, I think. So, and and the introduction was well, the the first time it um, featured was in 2008 in Beijing. Cool. So it's, this is the this is the third one, but you guys have um, world champs every year, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have world championships uh, once per year, um, which is a pretty much a standalone event. Um, and then we have a just a tier below that we have World Cup 
um, a World Cup series, so that's five rounds in different parts of the world over a season, and so there's a there's a um, yeah, I guess a, a ranking for that as well. For myself and for the listeners that don't know too much about BMX, yep. what is what does it involve? Well, I guess BMX is um, it's it's not the freestyle side of things. A lot of people sort of think we do um, backflips and 360s and 720s and all that sort of stuff, which yeah. um, and and not many races do. But in my spare time, I like to have fun. That's how I started as well as doing that stuff so we do I do do a little bit of that stuff but it's the racing is actually not part like doesn't involve all that stuff it's so eight eight guys line up on a on a start gate which is on the top of a hill which is eight meters high um the gate drops and all eight of you's race um around a set course which is generally about 400 meters with corners and um jumps and obstacles to get to the finish line and it's only one lap and each lap's usually ranges between, I think, the quickest lap times or track that we can get around is 34 to 30 or 32 to 34 seconds, and the longest usually generally is about 39 seconds. So it's just a quick power burst and speed and um, yeah, a lot of agility to work your work your way around the course, as well as battling with eight other guys to try and to try and win the race. You can once the gate drops, you pretty much got a free for all and you can jump across people, across on people in the air, and um, it's a lot of banging and pushing your way through, and a lot of crashing. The jumps usually range for us. The first jumps usually between sort of 12 to 13 meters long. I think the biggest on the circuit's about 14, 15 meters long. So it's yeah, it's quite quite challenging. Yeah, it's um, so yeah, it's definitely not the freestyle side of things. No, it's, it sounds like a pretty intense amount of activity uh, compressed in a, into a pretty short space of time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, at a World Cup we might have 150 to to 200 men to to race against. So it's not like we race all of them at one go. But you get seated and heated, and you only maximum race eight at a time, and then you qualify, and then you go through knockout phases all the way until you get to a final, which is top eight people, and. Yeah, and then obviously you race off for the for the placings and the podiums there. Often, when you're in those events, you're doing quite a few races over the course of a of a couple of days. Yep, yep. So the the first day, uh, the events will be generally held over three days. Um, the Olympic Games is a different format, but other than outside of the the games, it's a um, the first day is usually you'll have one practice session of two hours on the track. The second day, or in the morning, you'll have a practice session again of an hour, so that makes sort of three hours total practice time on a new course, and then uh, you do three qualification races, and then outside of, let's say there was 200 riders, um, only 64 qualify through to day day three, which is finals day, so uh, what is that, about 130, 140 get cut going into finals day, and then you race off three more qualification motos and then the people that haven't made the top four in their I guess top in their their heat or their moto get culled again and then it goes to quarterfinals semifinals and then final obviously a, a lot of racing then how do you how do you train for something like that hours and hours and hours just like sport, <laughs> I guess there's a, a, a lot's involved and in, in more than I guess the the average person thinks that a lot of people sort of look at our sport and think, oh, we're on, we're on kids' bikes, and you know what you, 
or this and that and sort of stuff. But behind the scenes, I think I would put usually three to four days at the track or three to four track sessions a week in a seven-day week. So that, that might consist of two and a half hours each track session. We go to the gym two to three times a week to build power and strength to be able to get out of the start as quick as possible. And we do sprints on the road, which is on our bike. We might do three of those sessions a week. And I might do four or five sports um, work on the mental side of things um, with our sport as it's it's a it's a big mental game. When you when the gate drops and you've got seven other guys beside you that are all roughly around the same physicalities as yourself and you know that if you don't get out for the first two or three pedals you can get cut off. Um, it's a big mental game and so believing and and, and knowing that you can do what you can do at 100% is, is key. So we, we put a big focus on that as well. Because unlike, unlike, I guess, you could you could sort of look at us and we, we train similar to a 100-metre sprint, sprint runner. The only thing that, I guess, differs is those guys can't change lanes, so they've just got a free lane. But it's just sort of imagining if, if the gun went for them guys and they started and they were able to cut people off and move over lanes, that's pretty much what ours does, but we're going 65Ks an hour over obstacles and stuff. Yeah, the track's a little bit harder to land on as well, I would imagine, than the 100-metre track too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's generally the, the corners are made out of um, of pretty much concrete, and the surface is really hard, and it's got a soil tack surface with, with a sand grit in it kind of thing, so it's it's, it, you might as well just race on bitumen or or concrete anyway, because when you when you come down on it, it's yeah, it's not pleasant. But we wear pads as much as we can to still, but and not really enough to cover everything. But it's so you can keep agile. But yeah, it's still when you come off at that sport, I mean at that speed, it's like being pushed out of a car at 65k on the road into sometimes into like a wall or an up up ramp or a hill. So it's it comes with a lot of injuries if you crash. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine it's pretty brutal. Um, so you're doing a couple of, of sessions a week uh, working on the mental side of things. What does that stuff entail for you? For me, it's it's like all, everybody's different and, and stuff. It's just, for me, it's depending on what, what part of the, the season I'm in, going over gait routines, like a, a sort of in the off-season, it's going over skills and, and, and gait routines that I'm wanting to learn and certain situations that I might have um that might be my weaknesses from the the previous season that I'll pull out and start picturing them for the following season so there was a few people I wasn't I didn't like being used to because I knew they were aggressive and and had the ability to cut me off I would start envisioning that and using that before I go to training to to learn new skills and building into a race two weeks prior I, I go through the race um, race by race, warm up by warm up, and and see pretty much the whole race day from start to finish. Just working on seeing myself doing what I can physically do and mentally do at at my full capabilities. Cool. So lots of lots of visual, visualization stuff and lots of lots of planning and things as well. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, the, I, I work with a sports psychologist who's. Um, I pretty for me anyway. I, I I owe a lot of what I've accomplished in in the sport and in life to him and everything. Yeah, he he pretty much can say to me jump and I'll just say how high and um, yeah, it's 
It's, I, th- I think it's a big, it's a big thing that in, in BMX, that's for sure. Awesome, yeah, and I think I mean it, there's a lot of carryover to to a lot of other sports with the with the psychology and the confidence and the the visualization. Do you find those skills that you've learnt working with him have carried carried over to other parts of your life as well? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, big time. I was when I when I started working with him. Obviously, it was for sport, and he at the time in my life I was training or well, tra- training part time and working. Well, full time. Um, so training was was being worked around uh, my job, and so I, I was going to work at seven till seven in the morning till five pm at night, and then um, going to training and and doing everything like that. And he pretty much challenged everything I did, um, and asked why, and asked for. And he said, the the big thing is pretty much if if he said I couldn't fail, what would I do? And so I, I quit my job not really knowing what what I guess where money was coming from and I was funding I didn't have big key sponsors back then um I didn't have any support well I had support like I was in the hot New Zealand high performance team but it's not like you can live off this you don't you, back then there was no salary for me and no no support funding wise so I was sort of a bit nervous about well I was really nervous about doing it but I did it anyway um I moved to, up to the Waikato because I'm originally from uh, New Plymouth. I started uh, a small coaching business, um, coaching and helping younger guys, and he challenged me to do that also. Um, so, outside, I mean, that's part of the sport, I guess, in some ways, but moving forward two, three years up into this stage, he's challenged everything in, in life, not only in relationships and and financial things and businesses and um, I think if he didn't come along and challenge me to do this and that and I wouldn't have because on the side I have a coaching business also which is um, pretty successful in my opinion I have sponsors that also fund me and all this sort of stuff and I know looking back on it I think back then if before I met him I was one of those guys that would go to work seven to five not really enjoy it well to be honest I didn't enjoy it I mean it was a good line of work but I still didn't really enjoy it because I was working for somebody else it was starting at seven I hated getting up in the morning early and I was pretty much complaining oh I can't believe I'm doing this you know one of those guys that would not hear well sort of moan at, at, at the situation but was doing nothing about it so and I guess I still now that I've stepped outside of that I, I see that see that happening a lot in the world, and um, I pretty much I feel owe a lot to him um, for everything that's changed, not only in sport but in life for me. That's awesome, and I can definitely relate to uh, that feeling of kind of being being in that rut or being in that comfortable zone, and it's just something that you kind of go through day after day after day, and it just nothing seems to change and you, and you want it to change but yep. you don't really know how to do it and there's all that uncertainty about definitely with you from from quitting your job moving moving towns and starting something completely new to to pursue your passion that's a that's a pretty massive jump into the uh into the uncomfortable areas yeah 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 no it was definitely an uncomfortable part but that's for sure but yeah it's how he, how he 
explains it, and it's true. I think if you, it's it's all it's all your perception on how things happen, and maybe if that did, like you, if I did fail, at least I can look back on it and say, you know what, quitting my job wasn't the best thing, but at least I know now that what I try to pursue, you know, it it didn't work out, and I gave it everything I possibly could to to try and pursue that, and I think. Uh, if I if I didn't do all that stuff and and a lot of people, I think are the same as they look they might look back and think, you know, what if I did this or what if I did that and oh I could have done that but I don't actually know because I was too scared or I was too you know sort of nervous of failure so I think if you look at it a different way, it's definitely um, you you can you can change a lot about your life. Yeah, yeah, and I think if you're if you're looking back at things from your deathbed, uh, you you're not going to think, oh man, I wish I'd stayed in that seven to five job uh, a little bit longer. That would have been <laughs> yeah. that would have been awesome. Yeah. No, definitely not, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, um, we're talking about the tracks a little bit before, and um, and also the physicality of the sport as well. I'm sure you've uh, I'm sure you've taken a few uh, taken a few hits and uh, and taken a few tumbles in your time. Have you had any uh, significant injuries? Yeah, I have. I guess um, I've, depending on significant, I, I've never had life threatening um, injuries. Um, I've broken multiple bones. I think I'm oh, I would be around 15, 16 right now. And that's that ranges from heels to foot to feet, sorry, um, ankles, wrists, elbows, shoulders, ribs. Yeah, so it's a it's a pretty brutal sport. I mean, I've had operations, um, multiple concussions. Um, I actually just had a conversation with the doctor. At I get assessed um, oftenly from the doctor, and I'm on my sort of last concussion warning. So if I if I get another one, it's I think it's time to hang the bike up and um, not that it's I'm at, I'm at risk right now. It's just um, when you get to a certain point of concussions, it starts to become you ask the question: is what's more important, is life or or the bike? And um, I think I've we counted out I'm just over ten concussions now. So um, yeah, it's. That's, makes you start to ask questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 at the, right now, it's there's no there's no health risk or anything like that. But if there's another one, a serious one, when I'm blacked out for a long time, it, 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 that's when it starts to I start to get to the verge of I need to ask that question. And for me, I'm happy to if if that happens or or if it doesn't, I'm, I'm happy to um, hang that up for that need because I I definitely feel life's more important than wanting to stay in the sport for a bit longer. Yeah, for sure. How does having that hanging in the back of your mind, how does that affect your uh, your ability to race and your confidence with uh, how you go at things? Um, to be honest, it doesn't at all. I've, I, I never think of it at all. Um, Hopefully I haven't put it in your head now. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's... I'm, I'm a bit much like I'm. I'm right sitting right now. I'm pretty much the oldest guy on the on the World Cup circuit and still racing internationally. For me, I don't feel like I. Um, I'm I'm satisfied with what I've. I'm obviously I still 
and striving and wanting more from the sport as far as results and outcomes and 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 things to happen in the sport. But if I had to walk away from it tomorrow due to injury, it wouldn't bother me one bit. Uh, and and because I'm mature enough and um, I'm I'm age 31 right now, so it's not like I um, have a whole big career in front of me because the career's sort of been gone, come again, and yet. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I don't feel like I would be missing out on a ten-year career because of another one. So it's not like it's yeah. It doesn't play in my head whatsoever. You've started making plans for uh, for life after BMX already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that, yeah, yeah, for sure. That the coaching business I've started is it's to the point where I I get pretty much hounded to to take on more clients or whatever, and and, and as a full time. Um, athlete, it's just impossible to do that right now. So I only have a select few, but I know once I'm I'm stepping away from the sport, that's going to take off, and my focus will go. I'll put my all my energy into something else. So yeah, definitely I've got structures in place now that that see me through past the sport. I'm going to change tack a little bit, Matt. Um, BMX has obviously taken you all over the world, um, and with with your racing and things do you get a chance when you're in different places to get out and experience the culture very much yeah it's um yes and no depending what i'm what i'm doing i i sort of um lucky enough to have a couple of sponsors that um support me that are european based so the races that i don't do for new zealand i'm um all the time i'm not racing with the new zealand team um, I could be based in there or the USA racing the European circuit or the USA circuit and so that's sort of on my own or with, with teams so it's when I'm doing that I have time to, to have a look around countries and cities and um, do the touristy stuff if I want to and then the stuff that with New Zealand sometimes we might only go in for for a, for a five day window and it's not possible to see um, the city or any tourist attractions at all. Um, we're there to do a job, I guess, and that the most we might see is the hotel and then the drive from the hotel to the track or the airport and, and see the culture that way. But And sometimes we might stay on. We might be in a city or country for a three-week preparation if, the, if, it's, if it's hot and humid, so we, we pretty much have to. And when, when we're doing that stuff, we have a rest day and we might get out and have a look at a few things or we might stay two days after events and have a look at things. But So it's sort of, I guess, a 50-50 thing. Sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. But yeah, luckily for me, um, last year I was six months on the road. I think it was four months in Europe and two months in the USA. So I got to see a lot. And this year has been three months on the road again and I think clocking up sort of 10 to 12 countries within that time and um, having solid bases in Europe and stuff like that. So for me, the last two seasons, I've seen a lot um, touristy stuff. This is purely out of interest, but what's your favourite place that you've been to so far? Outside of New Zealand? Um, yeah. Switzerland, I would say. I, uh, for me, it has the same similarities as far as beauty as New Zealand and I'm really attached to New Zealand, so yeah, Switzerland with the mountains, the lakes, um, the people, the the well, whether there's freedom in their government and all that stuff, I'm not sure, but it feels like it to me. 
um, and it's pretty easy going place so that's by far for me the, the best place I think I I could live outside of New Zealand. I know what you mean about New Zealand. Every time I, I go away um, and then when I get back I just appreciate living here so much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm exactly the same. I um, Growing up with friends and stuff in your hometown, that uh, I guess uh, people just don't really sort of get out of town or get out of New Zealand and actually see some of or a lot of what the world is like and you definitely, once you leave New Zealand, um, you appreciate what you've got when you go back to it. Matt, with the with your competitions, you're saying there's, there's 200 riders there. Obviously, uh, you, are you guys all in one place or you have camps out in different places? What's the what's the vibe like at the competitions? Um, everybody, out, outside of the competition, everybody pretty much gets on, friends, and all we talk and... You know, like we, it's the same guys, the same. It's generally the same core, 100 guys traveling the world, um, doing each race, um, each World Cup race in USA and European stuff. So you, you know the general guys. So it's not like anyone when you get to the event, you know, you don't know anybody or anything like that. So we're all pitted um, in the same area, sort of like we get. We get um, each country or team gets a tent that might be sort of five metres by five metres or ten metres by ten metres, all in the same area behind, beside the track or behind the track, um, not uh, directly around the track because that's where spectator stands are, but somewhere just hidden. Everybody does their own thing, warm-ups and routines and stuff like that, and there's, there's no real hate and no big rivalry um, especially not physical or you know anything abusive that I, that I've ever seen. Generally, what happens on the track stays on the track, which is a good thing for the sport because it's so aggressive. And one little mistake, or if somebody takes you out, that can cost you a lot, um, results-wise and um, obviously financially too. So um, it's not, yeah, it's it's for for what for what we do. There's there's nothing. No stiffness out the back. That's that's what from what I can see. It's competitive while you're doing it, but pretty supportive otherwise, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Matt, can you tell me about a time that you've failed and what you learnt from that? Within the sport, or just in life in general? Hmm. Yeah. I. Uh, I guess you can look at life, and I could look at life and look at a lot of things where I failed. I could say in sport I, I failed to make the Olympic Games in 2008. Yeah, and what uh, what did you learn from that? I think it's... Uh, I learned to, to not be so attached to to one thing or or one goal or one outcome and, 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 and enjoy the, the, the journey along and the process to get there because um, I think when you're solely fixed on one thing or one result or one outcome, you forget everything else that's happening around you and don't enjoy it as much as what you could be. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point as well, and that uh, especially if you're working towards something that that is a long way off and that's all you're focused on. Yeah. That I mean, just even getting out for a ride or getting out doing a gym session is it can be fun in itself, and if you're if you're purely focused on that that distant goal, then sometimes you just actually don't 
stop and enjoy the stuff that you're doing at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big thing. Um, um, I remember when I came back to the sport, it was I had a big, big goal was to obviously get to the games and, and win a gold medal. Um, and and I had small goals along the way. Obviously, I wanted to be doing this, the, the sport full time without having to um, hold up a full time job or a part time job. I wanted to have sponsors. I wanted to get this and I wanted that and. There was a lot of things that I wanted and, and, and goals that I wanted, but I noticed I was ticking those boxes and I was making them things happen without actually appreciating when they were happening. So I was so fixated on one thing that I was forgetting about all these other things that I'd always wanted when I first started the sport um, that I didn't get to enjoy it as much as I probably could have. And, and, and now every time that thing hap- something like that happens, I... I appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's important to to take a little bit of time to to celebrate those things that happen along the way. Yeah. Because there's always another goal that you can work towards, and uh, often I think yeah, you you just as soon as you tick one off, you start to focus on the next one, which is uh, it's not always the the best way to go about things. It doesn't doesn't always make you happy. Yeah. 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 I guess not, but yeah, it's, I, th- I think it's perceptions on it, that's for sure. Can you tell me about the last thing that you did that, that made you uncomfortable? I guess uh, anything anything that when you go to a new track, um, in, in the sport of BMX, every time you go to a new facility or to a, a, a hard training session, it's, I'm uncomfortable because the track's new, the course is new, the jumps are bigger, they're smaller, they're steeper, they're shorter. So it's sort of uncomfortable almost every single day. So you've got to face that, that discomfort all the time. Um, that might be the same answer for the next question, but what's the next thing that you're going to do that makes you uncomfortable? Outside of going to training on Monday, it's currently Saturday here, so tomorrow's rest day, but outside of going to training on Monday, I think making the next thing would be uncomfortable probably on a bike will be the world's BMX track, which is a, a new course to kind of get used to, and, and and obviously race the world championships on. And Matt, if our listeners want to follow you online and, and follow your your journey, where can they go? Um, all my social media outlets, uh, Matt Cameron, and then with the number nine four nine. So, um, and my Facebook page is Matt Cameron with a hash nine four nine. I pretty much keep that regularly updated through all channels. Sweet. I'll put some put some links up to them uh, in the notes for the episode as well. Yep. But Matt, do you have any uh, any lessons or ideas or interesting facts for the listeners before we wrap this up? I don't know. I guess for, for me, um, ideas and help, I guess, would be if you've got if you've got a dream or anything. You should just go for it because, I mean, um, life's short and for me, I, I got to a point where I don't want to live in, like I don't want to get to 80 and go, I wish I did this or I wish I tried that. So I've just followed my passion and, and, and pretty much throwing all my eggs in one basket each time and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, oh well, we're on to the next one. So I think if you've got something and you're, you're, you're struggling to, or you're, you're not enjoying your life of, 
nine to five or whatever it is that you do, um, it's pretty pretty easy just to turn around and say, I've got to change my world. I think that's a great note to, to wrap it up on. Yeah. Cheers very much for your time, Matt. No worries. There you go, guys. That's me and Matt having a bit of a chat about BMX and about getting uncomfortable. If you're liking what you're hearing, then head over to iTunes, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a rating, and share this out episode out with anyone that you think that might really enjoy it. Thanks heaps, guys. Talk to you next week. Go out there and get uncomfortable. Thank you.